swords. It's surely illegal. Dad's with swords. Dad's with swords. It just shouldn't happen. Dad's with swords. Okay, welcome back to Dads with Swords, and we are finally all together again. <laughs> For once. For once, indeed. It's been a hectic uh, last couple weeks, but uh, definitely filled with training and all sorts of other lovely parenting things. Yeah. Something I've said before that I work in tourism, so this is the time of year where I don't have a ton of free time to do the things I like doing. But, yeah. you know, make it work. It's one of those things where... It's sad that it's already August, but at the same time, fall brings cooler weather, better training conditions, fewer tourists, more time. Exactly. And so we all say, I'm so over summer. <laughs> Seriously. I can't wait to wear my chunky sweaters and my fall boots. I mean, the leaves are already turning. Unfortunately, it's because, They're leaves, dying. because the trees are dying. <laughs> yeah. Because it's been so goddamn hot, but that's okay. Breathing's overrated anyway. What do we need all those trees for? Yeah. Pesky oxygen getting in the way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, what, two weeks since our, um, probably three weeks since our last recording? Yeah, we, we it's been a while. A, we did a small recording in the car. I don't know how yeah, it was successful a, it was. That was actually good. It was a nice little, uh, was, well, I wouldn't even call it a stopgap. It was, it was a full episode on its own right, so. Yeah, it's those things we try to do anytime we're going to go for a long car ride. We'll try to record something so we can try to get it up there. In fact, we even have another recording that we've been sitting on. I just haven't even had time to sit at a computer and edit yet, so. Who knows how long it's going to be before you hear this episode. <laughs> Hopefully I get a chance to get it edited and uploaded pretty soon after yeah. we record. Nobody mentioned the date. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's not August at all. It's actually July 24th. <laughs> of 2017. <laughs> so guys, we wanted to think about a topic, and Brian came up with the idea of swords in media? Yeah. Like the, the current media, or current to us media, I mean, primarily, yeah, movies, TV shows, and video games, I think, is where we see a lot of swords. And we've kind of touched on a variety of these issues before, and we've steered away from it for a while because we didn't want to have an episode of just us bitching about, well, movies don't get it right. Yeah, we, you know, wanted to do research, and uh, so it's good that we didn't do any of it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me that Lord of the Rings isn't real? It's not um, a historical fact? I, I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, that's true. Um, but Lord of the Rings actually had a really, really impressive fencer that was their swordmaster. What was his name? Um, his name was Bob Anderson, I think. I'm terrible with names, um, but I'm pretty sure it's Bob Anderson. If I'm wrong, I'll correct it in the post for this uh, this podcast. No, no, no. Just edit it in so it's like, his name was Frank Miller. Yeah. <laughs> his name was George O'Toole. Um, but in any regard, I mean, he's very competent as far as fencing goes, and, uh, and he did a lot of those sword fights, which is why actually a lot of the Lord of the Rings stuff is pretty good. I mean, it's a little exaggerated. It's still taking actors and not necessarily having the months or years to craft them into, you know, well-trained and skilled fencers to present it on screen, but it's a lot better than a lot of other representations of sword fighting. Yeah. We watched uh, Princess Bride recently, and yep. there was a great fencing scene in that. With oh, everyone knows that, yeah. Yeah. I thought Classic it was, one. Yeah. it's pretty great. Like it's very theatery, yeah. Theateresque because um, they're kind of all over the place, and I think one of them does the fancy jump. Sorry. I, I think that's actually where my frustration sits as far as swords in particularly movies and TV. Isn't that it's bad? It's that it's still stage combat. 
Yeah. Stage combat is this really necessary thing. You need bigger motions than you see in actual fencing because the audience needs to see it sometimes from a bunch of rows back. You need a lot more safety than you need in real fencing because you're not trying to kill your opponent. You're just trying to make a good show of it all. And what frustrates me is that we have high-speed cameras now and 3D cameras and 360 cameras and multi-camera shots in every major motion picture and TV, and they're still reliant, for the most part, on old-school stage combat with these huge flourishes so that you can see them from a wide shot instead of taking a more narrow shot or going slow motion for you know some of the more intricate sword-fighting scenes. And that's what I'd really like to see, is someone to go out there and just shoot something in a way that you can make it really realistic because the camera lets you cheat rather yeah. than cheating the sword fighting. You I'd just say for the, the average viewer, though, is when you're, if you're watching fencing as a sport, there can be moments where it's slow. And I think that's the problem. I don't think that is a problem when you have multiple cameras, though, and you can take different angles. and you, It doesn't have to be, you know, you two guys fight and we're going to film it, and that's going to be the fight scene in our movie. Obviously, it's still going to be scripted and choreographed, but just the choreography can be a little bit tighter with all the cameras. Yeah, I think you just saying the uh, or talking about uh, having the the different various cameras and 3D cameras and, and slow motion and everything really uh, it makes me want to see someone do something kind of like you know the slow motion stuff in 300 where that was just a lot of exaggerated body slams and flips and, and yeah. whatnot. But do that where you can go into more detail with like show show a bind, you know, you know, have have the camera kind of go with the people in the in the throes of combat, not from a static perspective where it's just taking a wide angle view and showing them do their thing. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we're <laughs> we're, we're baby right. Yeah, we're juggling uh, we're juggling a laptop. We're juggling babies. It's. Uh, Quite a few strength here. Caleb's hit the age where he's really understanding cause and effect as it relates to computers, so he knows that if he smashes on the keyboard, things change on the screen, so that's <laughs> all he wants to do. And right now he's just seeing the audio spikes and everything, and quite enamored, so. Um, yeah, you're talking about Swordmasters uh, in terms of film. Um, Bob Anderson, obviously, was a, a very important uh, uh, figure in that. Um, there is a gentleman, and I... I can't think of his name right offhand, but he is responsible for most of the choreography in uh, the Game of Thrones TV series. Right. And it was surprising because, like, you know, the the sword fighting on Game of Thrones has been kind of hit or miss, and there's plenty of videos online, there's tons of critiques. Yeah. Just, just go to YouTube and type in Tower of Joy Review, and I'm sure you're going to find, you know, countless people talking and, 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 and espousing their... Uh, their not so nice reviews of the choreography. Some people loved it. Yeah, I think the casual viewer probably I, thought it was like really neat. Um, I did not love it. No. <laughs> well, you're not the casual viewer. No, yeah. but I also I, I don't know as much about swords and swordmanship as you guys, but I, I thought it was lame. You're still seeing a lot of flippy shit going on. Yeah, so. well, and I can also you know speak for another friend of ours, um, Stu, who watched the episode recently, and you know he's not a, a big swords guy either, but even he noticed the extras standing in the background, kind of holding their sword ready, but not swinging because it wasn't their turn. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the more egregious stuff where even, even if the, you know, sort of blade to blade stuff is a little bit off, you can make it work. But when there's a guy standing there clearly in, you know, prime opportunity to run a sword through somebody and he just doesn't because it's not his turn. That shows even to the casual viewer. Yeah. That's, it's, 
It's it, like, did you ever watch, I think it was Red Letter Media? No, maybe not. Someone did um, a, a little bit on the, the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of show a little loop, a back and forward loop of how the lightsaber is not going anywhere near yeah. the opponent. It's missing by three or four yeah. feet. That's because the target is two feet above the head. And, yeah. And whatnot. That's not the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is not. But speaking of Star Wars, um, the same choreographer who has done a majority of the work on Game of Thrones actually was responsible for the sword fighting in uh, of The Force Awakens. That's super surprising that to me because it's very surprising. Damn, that was a good fight. Exactly. That's I was like, see, that's a, that's a good example of like a nice measured approach to a. Now it does have the advantage of it being a duel, so you know the yeah. choreography can be a little bit more uh, reserved and uh, and know, splashes of action. And as they don't fight as much as they do in Game Thrones. And it's a lightsaber, <laughs> so you get the awesome hand wave of gyroscopic forces created by the plasma stream. So anytime the sword makes too big a motion, it's just oh, it's because it's a lightsaber. You got to move a lightsaber that way. Yeah. There's definitely some uh, some ease to doing a, a Star Wars themed fight scene rather than a, a swords one. I had just been mentioning to uh, to Grant today. I don't think I talked to you about this yet, Krista. But I started reading a little bit more of the uh, Fiore uh, treatise just you know out of curiosity. And one part really got to me. I was reading through all of the Dagger Masters. So those who study Fiore will understand exactly what I'm talking about. For the rest of you. Fiore's manual is kind of broken down into all these different masters, and each master shows a different technique and how that technique would work. And one of these dagger masters, one of the the dagger situations they were showing, uh, Fiore also explains that the same technique works against a spear. And the way the technique goes is that if someone, let's say they thrust a spear against you, but you're wearing a big armored breastplate, and it sticks into your breastplate, but it doesn't get to anywhere where it would be lethal. Well, we know in our German system that we you kind of couch the spear at that point, tuck it under your armpit, you walk forward with it, and you're really trying to push your opponent over or to somehow ram that spear through the armor and actually do damage. And so the solution is the spear gets stuck in your breastplate before he can set it home. You put your arms up above your head crossed, and you smash him down so hard you snap the head of the spear off. And to me, that just sounds like wuxia-style kung fu movies. Yeah. Like, that is right out of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I don't understand why that hasn't made it to the big screen yet. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I want to see a big, messy spear thrust that doesn't quite get through the armor, and then this big armored knight just smashing the spear in half and coming at the guy. I mean, there's lots of awesome, brutal stuff in these manuals that would look great on screen, and it's just not there yet. Well, I think it's just a, a, a situation where traditional sword masters, like obviously they, they know their stuff. Yeah. They've been they've been learning it for years and years and years, but they're probably coming from a classical fencing in in so much that it's you know backsword rapier those yeah. sort of more traditional Renaissance style. Yep. Um, with the you know with the popularity of HEMA and the the sources being so readily available now, like you're going to see a lot more knowledgeable people about specifically 13, 14, 15th century. Yeah. Um, it's going to come a little bit more into the forefront and perhaps, you know, movies going forward uh, or television shows, they're they're going to benefit from that for sure. We've already seen some of that benefit in video games too. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's lots of stupid stuff in video games out there. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of my favorite sword-based video games the last little while uh, was the, the Witcher series, particularly mm-hmm. The Witcher 3, which is the, the most recent one. And in playing that game, you notice a lot of the silly stuff. I mean... Brand knows full well in Crystal 2 that my big nitpick is the sword on the back thing. Oh, I'm committed yeah. to making a like 
solve all the arguments YouTube video to show that swords on the back is stupid and doesn't work except in very, very select scenarios. But it uh, looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. And also, Geralt, the character in the Witcher series, did lots of spinnies and flippies, but he's not supposed to be human, so I, I, I give that more of a pass because yeah. he's supposed to move in a superhuman way. But then the other characters in that game... They, they hold, in many cases, correct stances for a swordsman. I was completely shocked playing one of the expansions, and one of the characters pulls out a saber and immediately drops into a perfect saber guard. Yeah. Um, you know, like right out of Hutton. It's, it's absolutely, you know, ideal and iconic, and it's neat to see. And then to find out that they were actually working with HEMA practitioners mm-hmm. in order to make that happen. So video games, I mean, as usual in media, are just a tiny bit ahead of the curve. And but they still do the sword on the back bullshit. They still do the back bullshit, It doesn't make any damn sense. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's annoying. There's some neat behind-the-scenes uh, behind videos, actually, for The Witcher 3. Um, uh, I don't think it was actually done by CD Project Red. It was probably by the club or the uh, the practitioner rather who was uh, invited in for that character. Yeah, but, but just can't remember. yeah, but just type in you know go to YouTube. This is a classic podcast thing. Oh, just search for this. But uh, just search for Witcher Three uh, Polish uh, Saber, and you'll probably find that video. It should be probably one of the first top hits. If I decide not to be a complete shithead, I'll find it and post it. <laughs> but I can't promise that because yeah. I am. Well, thing. I do well, tend towards shitheadedness. Yeah, we want to put it in the, the show notes. It's just a question of time. Um, and in the wrangling of, uh, of Caleb and our computer and everything, I did look up on my cell phone. Uh, the Swordmaster who is involved with uh, Game of Thrones and most recently Coach Awakens uh, is C.C. Smith, uh, which I think is a stage name because it's S-M-I-F-F. And I think, Smith, yeah, I think name. it's just... <laughs> stage or not, I like Smith. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um... So yeah, I mean, it's media. Obviously, the, the the goal is to make it look cool, look look pretty flashy. Yeah. Um, there's a game coming out, a Ubisoft game um, coming out called For Honor, which you probably know of if you're listening to this podcast. Um, they've released a couple more gameplay demos, and it's 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 a better sword fighting system than most. Um, the only thing I've seen that's pretty comparable would be like the the Kingdom Come Deliverance game. Yeah. Um, the Floris mod for uh, Mountain Blade Warband is, is pretty good in terms of chaining together the animation for moves. So right. after you throw a cut from, like, say, in Mountain Blade, your attacks are, you know, coming from up, down, left, right. Yeah. Um, but what the Floris mod does is allows the animation to be canceled so you can start to throw a right cut and then immediately guard. And so you kind of faint, and then you can throw a left cut. When you do throw the left cut, you don't just throw a left cut and stop. You actually cut all the way through and come back above the head. Oh, that's cool. So if you time it right, you can do the right cut, and so it will be a left cut coming above the head, then a right cut. I can um, see that being really frustrating for people who aren't patient. Yeah, and I mean, given that it's a mod for a game that doesn't really, you know, handhold you a lot, it's... Yeah. It's something you just kind of discovered. I just happened to be fighting in one of the, you know, you just go to that random battle and, oh, now I'm on the wall of a siege and I just got to wait for these guys to come up. And just happened to be the character was picked as random, just had a, a you know, sword and board style, just a shield uh, with an arming sword. And it was neat because, you know, when you throw the cut, they actually have the shield go up a little bit. So you're actually throwing the cuts over the shield. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a lot more realistic. So the uh, usual drop the shield to make a really big swing and cut for no reason. Yeah. And then Um, if you happen to have a two-handed sword, it's, you know, very much the low guard is a flu. 
The high guard is an ox. Like obviously, whoever's doing the animation on that mod knows their stuff. So on the topic of uh, of Ubisoft, um, another Ubisoft game, uh, a recent one. Uh, I can't remember which Assassin's Creed it was. Whichever Assassin's Creed has a character with a cane sword. So oh, those of you who are Ubisoft fans, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Brotherhood. It was yeah. Anyway, uh, somewhat unimportant. Anyway, there's cane fighting in this in this Ubisoft game in this Assassin's Creed game. And there was a little bit of a debate on the uh, HEMA Alliance Facebook page about what kind of cane fighting is this? Syndicate. Syndicate, that's right. It's Assassin's Creed Syndicates. People were asking, you know, is this, you know, um, French? Is this can de combat? Or what kind of cane style it is? So there's a big debate, people pointing out different things. And then mine and Krista's stick fighting instructor, Maxim, uh, just kind of jumped on and said, oh, actually, I have a couple of students in Montreal who work for Ubisoft Montreal, so it's Antrim-style Bada is what they were using for the inspiration. So that's kind of neat. know everything. Seriously. So if you're playing uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, you'll see the you know effect of adding HEMA into video games. Um, is there anything movie or TV-wise, any fights other than Star Wars, which we already discussed, that either of you really like? Even if it's outside of Swords, like just a fight scene that I you do, really loved? I do like all of the, the Chinese choreographed scenes from like Crouching Tiger and like um, Hero and yeah. those movies and I think they, they do a lot of work on them but I also, you have to acknowledge that those actors are martial artists as well where yeah. most Hollywood actors are not or those the actors from the UK are Yeah, not. from what I've heard, especially in talking about Hero Jet Li, as soon as the director calls cut just goes back to doing kung fu. Like he just yeah. he practices and trains constantly, even while he's on set. From what I understand, it shows. I mean, that guy can move. Yeah. But there are some that I don't understand. Like, what's your excuse for? Like, my favorite um, character in Game of Thrones, uh-huh. uh, Rory McCann, has done a lot of work in movies where he has had swords. So, like, what the hell, dude? You're my boy, and you don't look so good up there. Yeah, well, it's hard to pin it too much on the actor, because you don't know what the choreographer said. What and about also, you, Brand? Did you have any movies or TV that you thought were awesome? Of, yeah, in terms of recent stuff, I actually was catch a, or rather, I caught on Netflix uh, first volume of the, not newest, because there's a new one coming out in 2016, but... It was probably like a 2013, 2014, whatever. It's uh, the updated uh, Berserk anime. Oh, yeah. And oh, I'm not a huge anime guy, but it was just on there. And it was, you know, it was recommended as something you might like. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll throw it on. I remember, you know, watching a couple episodes of the original series and liking it. It has a really awesome section where Guts, the main character, he's known for having this ridiculously oversized, unrealistic sword. But there is a scene where he's more of a stealthy, sort of assassin-y type job. Oh yeah, I remember what you mean. And he just uses a regular sized sword. But it's an escape where he has to fight through a couple enemies. And the the choreography, I mean, it's it's animated. Uh, and I believe it's CG for that part. Or they, they do a really good job of blending the 2D, like the traditional 2D and the and 3D animation. Kind of like the game Guilty Gear uh, XRD or, mm-hmm. or whatever, <laughs> XRD. But yeah, the, the, the animation is flawless like it looks realistic it's it's the best example of swordsmanship i've seen on screen in quite a while and it just happens to be you know a japanese animated movie yeah but that just goes to show you like the japanese know way more about swords than your typical 
you know. And choreography. <laughs> yeah, they've got a, 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 I guess, a stronger living there's, tradition. I was going to say, there's, there's definitely a stronger tradition in Japanese cinema, for sure. Like, you're talking all of your uh, uh, Kurosawa movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go back to a movie that's essentially like a, a 50s, 60s, and it's still going to have really good, you I'm know, so palpable glad. tension, like, in the, the duel. You don't know what's going to go on. Like, probably the hero's going to win, but there are a couple uh, surprises. I'm super glad you brought up Kurosawa, uh, because that's one of my favorite fight scenes that I totally would have forgotten if you didn't mention it. <laughs> and it's a movie, now, I, again, I'm terrible with names, it's The Hidden Temple or The Hidden Palace. Oh, yeah. The Hidden... Blank. The yeah. hidden official building. Star Wars? Yeah, it's it's one of the movies yeah. that George Lucas cited as being a major inspiration for him for Star Wars because it's told from the perspective of the like the lowest domin- common denominator characters like R2 and 3PO were. But it has this spear fighting scene behind these like rice paper walls right. that is just phenomenal. Just you know, this spear piercing through and the guy having to move out of the way and parry and it was it was awesome. It remains one of my favorite weapon fighting scenes of all time. I think my other big one um, is the uh, the recent Sherlock Holmes movies with uh, Robert Downey Jr. So I guess a bit of background on that. Robert Downey Jr. is a Wing Chun practitioner. And I took a tiny, tiny bit of Wing Chun when I was in the Navy. There was a guy who was teaching it on the ship. Um, so for, you know, a couple months of sailing, you know, I was doing a little bit of Wing Chun. And then when I started training with Max doing uh, Victorian-style pugilism, I started to notice how similar right. uh, this pugilism was to Wing Chun, this you know, pre-Queensbury rules stuff. And it's uh, it's the London prize fighting rules is what Max teaches under a bare-knuckle boxing style. So to watch Robert Downey Jr. clearly performing Wing Chun and it clearly looking like Victorian pugilism in a Victorian movie, oh man, those were good fight scenes. <laughs> and really, really good use of what I was talking about, of multiple camera angles yeah. and slow motion to really hammer home what's happening. And then they'll, you know, play it all through nice and slow so you can see how it's supposed to look and then do the fast cut so you get to watch it real time. Yeah. It was very uh, video gamey or it kind of reminded you of the uh, the Midnighter from The Authority, how he has a battle computer and you can calculate everything before it's ever going to happen. And that's yeah. essentially like the those fight scenes in Sherlock Holmes movies uh, are probably a better Batman than Batman's been the last couple movies. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, I think we're coming up on our battery life here, unfortunately, so it's probably a good time to, uh... Movies don't give their actors enough time to do their choreography, or whatever, so <laughs> it still looks like fucking shit. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. It still doesn't look like it should. Just, but, just do your job, Hollywood, just do yeah. your job. Less time on marketing and trailers, and more time making good movies. Yeah, or just, you know, start doing better marketing and trailers. I'm talking to you, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. If you're like me and you held off on watching that movie because of that terrible trailer, go see the movie. The trailer doesn't do it justice. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's up. That's it for us this week while Caleb comes in to take over this computer from us. So thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll be back with more regular updates. Bye. Say bye, Caleb. Say bye. Whatever. Do nothing. Bye.